Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This is the first week of November, which means Spooktober has come to an end, and you are bringing us a different theme for November, so I'll let you take it away. Well, it's Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, and my level of devotion to Doctor Who exceeds even my level of devotion to the new Spider-Man game I spent all day playing. So... Both of my picks this month are going to be Doctor Who comics that heavily relate to the specials that are coming out this month. So fucking excited. Doctor Who is back. Looks really good. And the very first story that they're releasing this month is an adaptation of a Doctor Who comic. So today we're going to talk about that comic, 1980s Doctor Who and the Star Beast. A.K.A. the debut of Beep the Meep. Beep the Meep, who will be voiced by Miriam Margoyles, who our American listeners will probably just know as Professor Sprout from Harry Potter. Uh, None of the other characters in this comic are going to be in the special because the Doctor's going to be, like, the new Doctor who's also the 10th Doctor, but not really. And um, the companion's going to be replaced by another character... Uh, Although I believe that Fudge from this story is actually also going to be in the special um, and not change to a different character. What about K-9? K-9 is not currently in the TARDIS. So no K-9, unfortunately. Oh, yes, this is your first interaction with K-9. Yeah, this is my first Beep the Meep and my first K-9 before it's been all about Frobisher. I miss Frobisher. They need to bring Frobisher back. Frobisher should show up in an upcoming episode. I would kill for that. Before we jump into the plot and everything, this comic has a bit of a unique publication history, yes? Because the version we're looking at right now is not the first one I read because it's been recolored at least two times, maybe three times. Yes, so the original release was in Doctor Who magazine uh, back when it was called Doctor Who Weekly, when it first started, um, starting in number 19, and its original release and the art was originally drawn to be presented in black and white, which I have a lovely Panini Press uh, edition of a bunch of the first Doctor Who magazine comics, which includes this in the original black and white colors. Would highly recommend picking up that. Uh, Mine is called Doctor Who the Iron Legion, which is the first story in this collection, but it's got a bunch of them, uh, all with the fourth Doctor. I believe to celebrate the story getting adapted into the TV show, 
they're releasing a new collection that they're just calling the Doctor Who, like, fourth Doctor comic anthology or something. Um, that will definitely include the Star Beast as it, at nowadays considered the premiere story in it rather than Iron Legion because Star Beast is the one that's been adapted into a 60th anniversary special. I don't know why they haven't... I guess they've not called the new collection the Star Beast because they don't want to confuse people with the actual episode that's coming up which is also called the Star Beast or the novelization of that episode which is going to be a... that's coming out next year which is going to be a novel adapted from a television show episode adapted from a comic. But yes, it was eventually colored and released by Marvel in like American style issues later in the 80s. And then uh, IDW at the very least colored it for their like Doctor Who classics line that they did back when they had the comics license. Um, and they did a different recolor the Marvel colors are at least, like, flats, which I just sort of default have some level of affection for, but I'm not really a fan of them in this case. And the IDW colors are, frankly, ghastly. Yeah, the Marvel version I read wasn't ugly, you know, it wasn't notably bad. It was just like, it's fine. This is what a standard 1984 comic book looks like. But... Basically, any recolor I've ever seen IDW do of anything is just the most muddy, washed out, just kind of repellent to look at. Like, I actively don't want to look at it style of coloration with not enough contrast between the hues, nothing interesting, no style, it's bad, but the black and white in front of me looks nice. It looks like it was made to be in black and white and not shoddily redone on a computer. Well, and it was notably made to be in black and white by Dave Gibbons, the artist of Watchmen. This is our first time talking about Gibbons, right? I believe so. Our first time talking about Gibbons is Doctor Who and the Star Beast. The writing credits both Pat Mills and John Wagner, but it's been confirmed by everyone involved that Wagner and Mills were alternating in writing the stories in the books, and this was a Pat Mills-written story. So, uh, Mills and Gibbons were actually on the set of Doctor Who as they were filming the adaptation of their story, and were apparently thrilled. Okay. Yeah, I got to listen to it. There was an interview they released with them pretty recently uh, for some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, because they're doing extensive behind-the-scenes material for Doctor Who again, which is something they haven't done since 2010, where they have a crew on set of the uh, production as just, like, a documentary crew documenting the creation of Doctor Who, which is fantastic. They should always be doing that. But, uh, yeah. The main difference between the editions in terms of notability color-wise... I will also just go ahead and address the changing hue of Beep the Meep's Fur, which in the original, it's all done in black and white, but it's not like shaded, you know, so he could be basically sort of any light shade. We just kind of read him as being white furred. The Marvel book makes him blue, 
and then the subsequent stuff largely makes him blue or more gray, and I think we both like him as a little white puffball. We do, and quite correctly, the new design for the live-action appearance of Beep the Meep is white, with gross little fleshy hands, which is perfect. And little fleshy ears, too, or rather large fleshy ears. Large fleshy ears and tiny little fleshy feet. God, I'm so fucking excited for Beep the Meep on screen. <laughs> Listeners, if you're listening to this, you know Chris or I, so you already know what Beep the Meep looks like. But if you somehow don't, he is literally like snowman level simple shape-wise because there is the smaller circle for the head on top of the larger circle for the rest of the body. He is literally a cotton ball on a cotton ball with teensy little fleshy hands and feet coming out of the appropriate places. And then like bat ears basically, like big bat ears and then these huge eyes with cutesy lashes. Gigantic eyes. He basically looks like a friendly cartoon mascot character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is the baby Yoda of Doctor Who. Yeah. And so, um, as this is 1980, the Doctor in this is the fourth Doctor. Uh, I sent you some clips of the fourth Doctor so you had an idea of the performance of the actor because I think it helps when you're reading this comic to get what on earth is happening with the way they're writing this character. Uh, But he is the second most famous Doctor, I would say, certainly in America. He's the second. Uh, The one with the scarf. So, you know what that looks like, probably. I do recognize him as the one who is exceptionally ugly in his fashion sense. Who are we calling? Oh, no, he's not. He's not the worst. He's far from the worst. Of the ones I can remember offhand, I just know I hate the scarf. But are we calling the most famous David Tennant, or... Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I guess Matt Smith might be competition in America for, like, the position of second most famous, but Tom Baker is the one who is, like, showing up in Futurama all the time, so I'm going to assume that gave gives him a level of cultural cachet that even the bow tie doesn't. Uh, he is at this point traveling alone, except for a robot dog named K-9. Uh, K-9 does not normally ever act like a dog. He just acts... Honestly, he's kind of like C-3PO. Do we mean flamboyant or... Um, prissy? I would say prissy, not flamboyant. He's a little too, like, oh, I am a computer to be, like, flamboyant. Like, he's very insistent on not having feelings or emotions, even though, like, sometimes he pretty clearly does. But he's, like, very exact and specific in the way that, like, C-3PO can be. Okay. But we don't open with the Doctor, we open with a spaceship crashing into a uh, steel mill, uh, and some news reports covering it. Uh, And the next day, uh, Sharon and Fudge uh, are two sort of young, I would say they're meant to be high school age, probably, like, maybe early high school. Yeah, I don't remember if it ever specifies, but I got the impression at least one of them lives with their mom. It's giving high schooler. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely not adults, but they're not, like, that young. And they're investigating the area because Fudge is convinced that this must have been an alien spacecraft, which, like, the news is like, oh, experimental aircraft or something, we don't know. 
Uh, and Sharon is skeptical until they come across Beep the Meep, who is wounded. If you're wondering why Beep the Meep is called Beep the Meep, that's because, for a while at least, all that Beep the Meep says is, Meep Meep. Now, I believe it was last week when we brought up the possibility of having a category for best panels in the next award show. Do we think we'll be nominating a lot of these shots of Beep the Meep? I think some of them, yes. There's one in particular, which I have actually shown on my YouTube channel while advertising this podcast before, which is going to be nominated if I have my way. Uh, I, I mean, this is Dave Gibbons, who is a legendary artist. I feel like we need to give him his due. Yeah. And this actually might be my favorite thing Gibbons has drawn, just because the designs of the alien creatures are so good. Yeah, they find Beep the Meep, and he is just acting like the innocent little creature that he looks like. When they try to talk to him, he just keeps saying Meep, like he's showing no indication that he has the ability to communicate with humans as of yet. It's E.T. I've actually never seen it. Oh, well, I mean, it's E.T. Yeah. He's, he's a friendly little <laughs> alien found by some children. And it, in this case, it's two children, but it doesn't really matter. And they're like, oh, we should take in this friendly little alien. And at least at the start, the alien doesn't speak English. So it's more like your sort of cute animal friend. Um, there is, based on the trailers, there is a scene in the upcoming special where Beep the Meep hides amongst a bunch of stuffed toys the exact same way that E.T. does in the movie, which delights me to no fucking end. <laughs> Meanwhile, in space, we see some very weird, sort of insectoid-looking aliens. They're called the Rough Warriors. They're fantastic. They have crab claws and, like, antenna and just big, like, seven-foot-tall bug monsters. They look kind of like the... Um, cockroach monster from the first Men in Black movie. They're very, like, slightly slouched over, bipedal, crustacean people with giant glowing eyes. Yes, they're fantastic. And the leader of the Rough Warriors swears that the Meep will die and sort of claps his claw together menacingly. Uh, meanwhile, the TARDIS materializes on board of the Raf Warriors ship. I'm not even going to bother explaining it, TARDIS. It's fine. The fourth Doctor comes out uh, alongside K9, and the entire ship is in darkness, so the Doctor grabs one of the Raf Warriors' eyes, thinking that it might be the light switch. Uh, the Doctor, especially in this story, the fourth Doctor is very comedic. Um, so this is coming right off of an era of the television show where Douglas Adams, the writer of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, was the script editor, and so every Doctor Who story was a comedy. And so this is also a comedy, with this really wacky guy showing up being very odd. So he apologizes to the Raph Warrior for squeezing his eyeball, um, but the Raph Warrior immediately starts attacking him, uh, including ha it attacking him with its prehensile fingered tongue that comes out of its mouth. Uh, I fucking love this obvious alien homage. Yeah, it basically 
asphyxiates him, knocks him unconscious with his tongue, where like the fingers wrap around the side of the head to keep him in place. After which they strip the doctor naked to do a surgery, put a bomb inside of him, during which point we get the obligatory jokes of the alien doctors asking what's wrong with his body, asking why his tongue doesn't have fingers, and what this part of him that's sticking up is. We have a Star Trek joke. I'm a surgeon, not a vet. Yeah. Um, I really love the Dr. Raph Warrior, who has a, um, well, the surgeon Raph Warrior, really, who actually has, like, what's that round thing that you see on the heads of doctors, which I've never seen an actual doctor ever wear in my life, but, like, that band with the round like metal disc on it i'm not sure what it's called but yeah he has that and even a surgical mask yeah uh, great touches delightful uh to be clear we're like seven pages into the story it is not only packed and very dense but it's also on um as the previous doctor magazine stories we've covered have been on the sort of enlarged page size that you use that you get with the magazines and so there's less page jizz for the story, but more space on those pages, and they always use it. There's never even a full page spread in this story, aside from the title page of the first issue. Uh, we're always moving the story forward at like a breakneck pace, which is perfect for this format, in my opinion. Yeah, because like... These aren't even standard sort of 20 to 24 page installments since it is just like, I don't know if backup is the right term, but just like partial matter in a magazine as opposed to being a publication in and of itself. This is nestled between different articles on upcoming Doctor Who episodes and reviews of old ones and stuff like that. Yeah. I just keep looking at Beep's eyes. Beep's big, round, almost tear-filled seeming eyes. Um, speaking of which, Beep the Meep is now, like, under the covers, in bed, in Fudge's house, with Sharon, like, petting him on the head, looking utterly fucking adorable. Like, comedically cute. Over-the-top cuteness. Uh, Beep the Meep is the cat videos yeah. of, like, Doctor Who. And the two of them are basically walking him around. The boy makes some comments about, like, trying to get money out of him. Whereas Sharon is just like, no, we're going to keep him to ourselves and we're going to take care of him. And so there's a scene of them putting Beep to Meep to bed, all cuddled up in blankets. So cute. I will also say, because I see it in one of the word bubbles right now, the boy keeps calling Sharon Fickies or other similar words. He keeps calling her Fick. Means stupid. It's like, I know that it does, but specifically, it's the phrasing, because like calling someone Fick, I'm familiar with. But, like, doing a play on the ward to be, like, Fickies or Fickums sounds like he's calling her fat every time he talks to her. And I know that's not what he's doing. 
but I guess this is just a cultural difference. Yeah, I would say so, because thick is, like, such slang term for stupid in the UK. That's, like, the term you use. Oh, so it's just, it's way more prevalent than... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Because um, I'm just like, it sounds like he's calling her dumb and fat. Just dumb. Uh, like, there's a Doctor Who episode um, from, like, 2006 where the Doctor calls the villains um, Fickies from Ficktown Fickvania because he's realized how stupid their plan is. So... Okay, that's just... David Tennant. Very different culturally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were a bunch of clockwork robots who were trying to fix their spaceship with human remains, and they had become fixated on someone from the 16th century as the way to fix their spaceship, so they used all the power and physical bits of the spaceship to create time windows when all the energy they had created could have fixed the fucking spaceship anyway. So he's like, you're idiots. Okay. But uh, back to this story. So literally less than a page from when the aliens, the Wrath Warriors, had finished putting a time bomb in the Doctor's stomach he is put back in his clothes and wakes up uh, and the Wrath Warriors basically fake trying to recapture him so that he can escape because they assume that he must be working with the dreaded Meep is what they start calling him. And the Doctor gets in the TARDIS and sees the news report on the spaceship crash and so he heads to Earth unaware that a bunch of Wrath Warriors had somehow snuck into the TARDIS while he was away. This is something that in the context of modern Doctor Who is an absolutely insane thing to have happen, because the TARDIS being impregnable is such a big part of the program now. But back in 1980, I guess that just... No, I mean, if you don't lock the door, which presumably he didn't. <laughs> yeah. And he makes his way back to the TARDIS where we meet K-9, or where at least I meet K-9. Yes, uh, K-9 is like a boxy sort of Art Deco star robot dog. Uh, he's currently malfunctioning because K-9 is constantly fucking malfunctioning. In the show, that's because the actual remote control prop used for K-9 would be constantly fucking malfunctioning. And so they basically had to constantly write him out by saying, oh, K-9 is malfunctioning, and put him back in the TARDIS. And in the comic, he's malfunctioning to be entertaining. So he's currently, for some reason, thinks he's the Doctor's former companion, Leela, uh, and so is saying very loudly, I will slit your miserable throat from ear to ear. That's what, that's how... I sound when I imitate K-9 anyway. Is that how K-9 sounds? Debatable. And after that, with another mess up of the circuits or whatever, they then do the obvious joke of K-9 acting like a cat and purring. And the Doctor getting down on all fours and trying to tell him, No, 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 K-9. You're a robot dog, you know. Woof, woof. Postman, the lamp posts. Which, again, is always funny because... K-9 does not act like a dog. He acts like a little robot who has a little laser beam and a little high-pitched voice who rolls around telling people math problems. So the Doctor materializes the TARDIS on Earth 
Meanwhile, Fudge and Sharon have gone back to the crash site where they found Beep uh, specifically to try and figure out if they could, like, help Beep the Meep fix his ship to, like, leave Earth. At which point they get attacked by, was it the Wrath Warriors? Yeah. Maybe Wrath Warriors? Yeah. There's, like, one more R than you would ever think there is. They get attacked, but fortunately, the doctor shows up at the same exact time to also check out the ship. And so they become a little trio alliance for the rest of the story and are able to escape from the Raph Warriors, where they then lead the doctor back to meet Beep the Meep, who is still just meeping around before, in a little bit, he starts actually showing that he can talk because he deigns to talk to the doctor. Uh, so we're also introduced to Fudge's mom, who is great because she comes out. Get him from the pet shop, did you, Fudge? No, he's from another galaxy, mom. Oh, that's nice, dear. Like, this giant furball that's very clearly not anything from Earth is just standing in her living room. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And the doctor does wonder why other aliens would be after Beep. And we get our cliffhanger ending, which we haven't pointed out, but this is the, like, cliffhanger ending where the Doctor realizes, oh, they must have put a bomb in my stomach, that's why they let me go. Get back, everyone. And he rips a piece of lead off of this family's roof to wrap around his stomach, and that stops him from blowing up. Yes, it blocks the detonation signal because it's it works on Superman's X-ray vision rules, I suppose. Um, God, the 1980s when you could actually just have lead on your roof of your house. Wow. The Wrath Warriors swear that the Meep must pay for his hideous crimes. We will wait until dark, then move in for the kill. I love the lettering on this. Their voices have, like... It's pretty normal speech bubbles, except they have tiny little dots around the outside of them, sort of looking like if you've got a soap bubble, and it's got those tiny little bubbles around it. It looks like that. Uh, I think it's a fun choice for the shape of the balloons to just... They sound almost normal, but not quite. And this is where Beep learns English, apparently, and thanks the Doctor for saving his life. And... When the Doctor explains, asks him to explain why the other aliens are going after him, he tells his story. One day, one black day... I should actually do a Beep the Meep voice. Uh, this is guesswork. I haven't actually heard anything other from the Miriam Margot's performance other than Meep Meep, which was very Roadrunner sounding. Like, she did Meep Meep the same way Roadrunner does, which I think was a great choice. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the voice, but I'm going to assume a higher pitch. One day, one black day, the Wrath Warriors' warships landed on my little planet. We offered them the paw of friendship, but they offered us only death. The Warriors destroyed everything. They did terrible things to my people. Things I don't like to talk about in front of the children. <laughs> yes, it was horrible. Now I am the last of the Meeps. The Warriors followed me to this planet to kill me too. Fudge's mom looks out the window and sees the Raph Warriors and says, Eh, there's someone in my rhubarb patch. And the doctor looks out the window, turns back to her, and in one of my second favorite panel of the entire story, 
loudly declares, Mrs. Higgins, there are aliens in the bottom of your garden. Mrs. Higgins says she doesn't know what the neighbors will think, which is also excellent. Very Dursley-ish. Yes, yeah, that um, particular thread of British comedy is much longer lived than J.K. Rowling, thankfully. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) It's about at this time that we also start picking up the frequency on the alternation between Beep the Meeps, Speech Bubbles, and his Fop Balloons, where he'll keep putting on the act, but then in the Fop Balloons we'll get things like, such disrespect to he who is most high, I will kill them for this, type of things. Yes, because Beep the Meep is actually a psychopathic mass-murdering monster. He is the titular Star Beast. Um, And yes, that is what he thinks as Sharon is petting him, uh, thinking that she's reassuring him about the rough warriors coming. We get little hints of his sharp little teeth as well here as he starts opening his mouth more on panel, uh, which is a great way to turn such a cute design into something that's honestly kind of frightening. As well as, uh, as we see more of his true personality, his eyes become, rather than having the big round uh, irises, the irises become slits, which also... Just, like, these slight design changes, I think, add a lot to making the design more frightening, but still in, like, a very comedic, fun way. Uh, The Doctor's built a device that basically makes a lot of light, so the Wrath Warriors are dazzled, because, as established earlier, their spaceship is in pure darkness. Uh, And so, this is definitely the best part of this story, because we come to the best panel of the entire story, Contender, I think, in our awards... For one of the best panels of the year, suddenly the Meep pulls a gun from a hidden pouch. Meep, Meep! Beep the Meep, only thing in panel, firing a space gun that he's pulled out of his big furball body. His eyes are now slits, his mouth is open, you can see his sharp teeth, his tongue is hanging out. He's got his little hands squeezed into fists. He looks wholly evil. And yet still kind of adorable. Even his eyelashes are curled up in a more stereotypical villainous fashion. It's, yeah, it's a great visual shift. Uh, and again, like the slight changes to this design. So essentially a new design. Equally fantastic. And the doctors just like, you killed him in cold blood. And after shooting someone with a gun, Beep just keeps on doing... The little crybaby act of just like, I was just scared. Don't be angry with me, Doctor. I fired because I was frightened. I'm only a little meep. And so they run to escape the rough warriors while Beep thinks about how once they have helped him to fully escape, the Doctor and all these others shall die horribly. I love how dramatic everything is in this story. This is the tone of a lot of these older Doctor Who comics, and still frequently a tone that they'll approach now, because these are considered such classics by, like, Doctor Who fandom. Uh, And I think it's a lot of fun, and it really takes advantage of the fact that comics don't have a budget in the same way the show did at this point. So, like, Beep and the Rough Warriors are designs that are so far out the feasibility outside of the feasibility of 1980s Doctor Who, that it's hilarious. Whenever they have did try to do something like this design, 
it would look incredibly fake and just like dog shit honestly only doctor who like right now has hit the point where they could adapt this story and not disappoint with the realization of these designs which we've seen the rough warriors as well and they also look great we haven't seen them use their tongue in any of the footage we've seen so far but i'm going to assume we're going to get to see it but they made some physical suits for the rough warriors to run around the streets of london with and it looked so fucking cool and so the opening of the next part is the Doctor trying to get on a bus by declaring, You must let us on this bus, the whole future of the galaxy is at stake. And the bus driver going, Sorry mate, no animals allowed on my bus except on a lead. So we then get obligatory shots of Beep the Meep on a leash, like a dog being walked down the bus. Oh, it's better, he's on the Doctor's scarf. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. The Doctor's eight-foot-long scarf tied round Beep the Meep's neck in order to provide a lead for the animal. <laughs> no one seems to notice how clearly not any kind of Earth animal Beep is. It's fantastic. It's like, there are a few, like, horrified faces, but no one, like, actually screams or runs away or anything. There is someone on the bus... Uh, thinking, oh no, please don't let them sit next to me. Who apparently is based off a comedian uh, from the time period who had a whole bit in his stand-up about weird people on the bus. So, it's a fun cameo. I can't remember the name of the comedian, but that was just the kind... They did a lot of that in these. Uh, so, the Doctor realizes after they make it back to the steel mill on the bus that he had actually left Fudge and Mrs. Higgins behind, uh, having only taken Beep the Meep and Sharon with him. So he's going to leave Sharon with Beep the Meep and go back to save Fudge and Mrs. Higgins from the Wrath Warriors. The Wrath Warriors, meanwhile, are trying to interrogate Fudge and Mrs. Higgins, uh, saying, You have helped the evil Meep Earth beings. For that, you will be terminated. But your deaths will be easier if you cooperate. The Doctor arrives and is able to talk them down because he has a medal he received for defeating the Cybermen, which are a classic Doctor Who monster. Um, and the Wrath Warrior is like, oh, uh, actually, we really respect someone who's beaten Cybermen. We will actually listen to you and explain to you what's happening. Because as it turns out, the Wrath Warriors are essentially intergalactic policemen. They just look like horrible monsters because they are aliens who look like horrible monsters. And then they deliver the actual tale of Beep the Meep species. The Meeps were a highly advanced peaceful race who knew nothing of war and cruelty, and throughout the Wrath Galaxy their name was a byword for happiness. Then tragedy struck, their planet's orbit mysteriously changed, it passed close to the Black Sun. The sun's radiation mutated a race that was gentle and kind into cruel beasts who lived for conquest. In a savage Starkrieg, the Meeps overran planet after planet. There was no reasoning with them. The Meeps destroyed everything. Their prisoners were shown no mercy. Uh, in all of these panels, we get adorable Meeps doing like little rhymes. So the first one where they're all still happy... It's like about like just jumping around and sort of dancing in a line. 
Uh, and then we have a bunch of meeps going off to war going, Hey ho, hey ho, what's off to war we go? And as they're destroying everything and showing their prisoners no mercy, hoppity hop, boppity bop, who's next for the chop? With a meep and a little executioner's hat with a giant axe next to a blood-soaked executioner's block where you can see that they've drawn the blood splatter on. In the color version that you read, did they color that red or did they ignore that detail? I can't remember, but there's a certain Seven Dwarves feeling to this part. Yes. Yeah, I, I the hey-ho, hey-ho, it's off to war we go is a very, like, clear reference. And so basically the Wrath Warriors were genetically designed to be able to destroy the Meeps, and they destroyed their armada, but only the evil leader of the Meeps escaped. Beep the Meep. And the Doctor realizes that he has left Sharon in the grasp of Beep the Meep. As our fun little cliffhanger. I love a little cliffhanger. We get so many here. Of course, the next story opens with Miss Higgins serving all of the Wrath Warriors and the Doctor afternoon tea. Which is just great. She's fully adjusted to the situation. She's like, oh, I just, I have people over. <laughs> I need to get out the tea. It's very, um, I mean, this goes right back to the Hobbit. She's very the Hobbit. Meanwhile, back at the steel mill, uh, Beep the Meep and Sharon are sneaking back in. Uh, they get caught by some guards and Beep the Meep just shoots and kills them. Uh, but assures Sharon, it's just a teensy weensy stun beam, Sharon. It makes them sleep. And then thinks, FOREVER! In his little thought bubble. I fucking love Beep the Meep. He looks so insane here as well. His tongue is now just basically constantly out as he's like clearly salivating and killing people. So, um, we didn't mention this earlier, but the alien spaceship has like a big orb on the front. And so when Beep the Meep turns the spaceship on, the orb turns black. And it's basically like a miniature version of the Black Sun that turned Beep the Meep species evil in the first place. And so he's able to use it to mind control all of the steel mill workers into rebuilding his spaceship. Uh, Beep the Meep has now gotten into what can only be described as a high chair and put on a crown, screaming, work drones, work, work until you die. Uh, this is actually very Final Crisis. Sure. <laughs> Uh, as the Doctor shows up and distracts Sharon by like throwing a, a little paper spaceship rather than a paper airplane at her. And she comes over only for us to discover that she too has been controlled by the Black Sun, grabs the Doctor's throat and dives off this like elevated platform they're on in the steel mill with him, screaming, Hate Doctor! Kill! Die! Sharon, kill! Kill! But he's then immediately able to free her from control, basically because she gets knocked out. Sharon is very disturbed by the idea that Beep the Meep is an intergalactic criminal and, like, runs away from the Doctor, but Beep basically immediately tries to kill her. So she's pretty swiftly convinced. And we discover that Beep's plan is, rather than taking off from the planet because he doesn't actually have any fuel left to his primary motors, He's going to immediately activate basically his warp drive, which will also destroy the Earth when he does it because you're not supposed to activate it like inside a planet. 
Sharon and the Doctor escape from the meep and hide inside of the ship. But before they can really do anything to prevent, like, Meep's plan, the Meep shows up in his high chair and has them taken out and activates his spaceship. And it makes the star jump, tearing through the fabric of time and space as we see all of the, like, city they're in get sucked into a black hole. Reality stabilizes, though, just enough um, because the Doctor reduced the power of the drive so that Beep the Meep would only make an extremely short hop and would only distort space enough to destroy the steel mills. They, uh, <laughs> convince all the steel workers to go into the TARDIS, um, which, if you don't know the show, it's bigger on the inside. I guess that's kind of the first thing you learn about the TARDIS after It's a Time Machine. And we just have a whole bunch of ordinary people standing in the TARDIS looking very alarmed, while K-9 is, like, on top of the TARDIS console, loudly purring because he still thinks he's a cat. Well, uh, Beep, who has taken Sharon prisoner yet again, uh, has managed to make it to Earth's orbit, but not any further. And so his ship is boarded by the Wrath Warriors, who take him prisoner. And he does the last little attempt of the big crying eyes and being like, I'll be good from now on etc etc look at me i'm cute before sharon literally points the finger in his face and tells him off it wasn't my fault i i had an unhappy childhood other meeps were a bad influence on me don't let them cut my furry little head off sharon <laughs> i love beep the meep like such a little shit <laughs> Yeah. My favorite bit is as the Ross are leading him away. There's been a mistake, sir. It's my twin brother you want. You've got the wrong meep. <laughs> the Rough Warriors invite the Doctor to their home planet on holiday. Uh, apparently the sulfuric acid seas are delightful, and the smell from the Mephen bogs is very nice. And Sharon joins the Doctor in the TARDIS and is now just going to be the Doctor's companion ongoing in the comics. Uh, this is mostly important to note because Sharon is actually the first non-white companion the Doctor has had in terms of just, like, creating characters for the show. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool they did that in 1980. So, first appearance of two historically significant Doctor Who characters then? Yep. And, um, the character who is replacing Sharon is going to be the first trans companion in okay. the new specials. I don't know how much she's going to be appearing in outside of the Star Beast. Uh, she's played by Yasmin Finney. Uh, the new character is called Rose and she's the daughter of the 10th Doctor's old companion, Donna Noble. And like, it looks like she's fulfilling the Sharon role in the story in this adaptation. So they're keeping the historical significance of that character. And um, yeah, I'm very, very excited about the upcoming episode. Obviously, this story is a delightful romp. It's very funny. Beep the Meep is a classic Doctor Who creation and character. He has come back more than, I think, nearly any of the like original to comics Doctor Who characters outside of like actual companions. Is he just, like, in other comics and radio specials and, like, novels type things? Yeah. I don't think he's ever made it to a novel before. I think the first one's going to be the novelization of Star Beast, but he's been in comics, and then there's been 
one or two original audio stories and an audio adaptation of this story. Uh, all of which have use beep. And then there's also been sequel comics to this. Uh, not as many as you'd think, but a fair few. I think he still, like, ranks pretty highly for... There's the the rich evil frog guy who might have shown up more often, but I'd say Beep is, like, up there. Beep's certainly more memorable than the rich evil frog guy. Yeah, I would say Beep is the most memorable Doctor Who villain we've talked about on this show other than the Daleks. Oh, easily. Again, I'm just incredibly excited to see this character uh, on screen. Um, I wish that they did a, like a animated Doctor Who because I think Beep the Meat would be optimal in like a Doctor Who cartoon series. The live action though does look great. It of does. Just the few shots we've seen. Um, the most recent issue of the magazine to come out as of recording has a full cover shot of the new physical like suit. It looks like it's worn by someone. Um. The head's clearly, like, animatronic and probably just balanced on someone else's head. Uh, and it looks fantastic. And the magazine even homaged this original story with the backdrop of that issue being the first page of this comic, the title page with the spaceship crashing into the uh, steel mill. Which, it still crashed into the steel mill in the new one, but the steel mill has been named... Um, shit, what did they name it? I don't remember. But it's named after the people who made the comic. I can't remember exactly how they combined Dave Gibbons and Pat Mills' names. <laughs> but they've combined their names to be the new name of the steel mill. Makes sense. Yeah. A nice little tribute to some classic Doctor Who. Yep. This was largely a preview of the upcoming special for any of you who happen to watch it. Yeah, I uh, I just can't bring myself to shut up about... Uh these upcoming episodes i'm really fucking excited and i mean that's why we had to cover this now i nearly did beat the meat last year as my doctor who pick uh which i wound up doing in october instead of november because uh that was when the special that was like the last 13th doctor story aired and i felt i had to do something for her then and then before that i nearly did beat the meat anyway because i knew you would love beep yeah, it was inevitable that we would get to beep the meep. And the timing is just wonderful. I do not currently have an air date for this story as of yet, but I am sure not like within a week or two of this episode being released, I will be getting to watch the Star Beast. Real fucking excited. Yeah, yeah. Like, I am not the who head in the room, but... Beep was cute and looks cute in live action. So I imagine many people will be wanting Beep the Meep merch. Um, oh, I will be buying literally every Beep the Meep merch they make. If they make a plushie, I'm buying the plushie. If they make an action figure, I'm buying the action figure. I'm going to buy all of it. They have not announced anything yet, which is alarming because I feel like they should have announced a lot of things. I, I want all of the Beep the Meep merch. I want a mug in the shape of Beep the Meep. I want, like, three different Beep the Meep t-shirts. Would kill for Beep the Meep merch. Yeah. Yeah. And I need that panel of Beep the Meep pulling his gun out for the first time, like, enlarged on my wall. Yeah. 
I guess, are there any details or anything we passed by that you wanted to make sure we got, or are we about to meep out? I think I'm all meeped out. Uh, this comic's real good. It's probably going to be a real good episode of television. I have no idea how new viewer friendly it's going to be because there's a lot of returning characters, but I'm sure they're going to explain who everyone is as it comes up. And more importantly, you'll get to see and hear Beep the Meep in a definitive form for the first time where we actually know exactly what color he is supposed to be. Yeah. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening. Next week is my pick, and we're going to be covering a series that's been on my radar to cover for ages, but because it's something that isn't available on any of the like reading services and is largely out of print, we had to wait for me to actually cheaply get a second copy of the issues for you to use. But we will be discussing the four-issue 1988 Martian Manhunter solo by J.M. DeMatteis and Mark Badger. Sweet. Yeah. We love Martian Manhunter. If you listen to our episode on the Morrison Justice League, I think we talk at length about how Martian Manhunter is, like, one of the best Justice League members. I wouldn't say one of. I would say Lee. Lee? That's fair. <laughs> I, I would say one of the best DC superheroes. I think if you're talking explicitly just Justice League members, I would actually, uh, I think I would agree with you. Yeah, but next week we are diving into a out of print, but good comic. Talk about something that's also 80s and under people's radar. So see you all then. Bye.